you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Lockdown Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, and I want to thank you for making Lockdown Indians your first listen this morning and every morning. It is free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, whatever it is. You can find Lockdown Indians there. Uh, as I've mentioned, if you've never listened to the show before, I am Jeff Ellis. I've hosted all of these at some point in time. Uh, I will not be able to say that, and I won't be sad about that. That means we all have had a competent uh co-host who's going to be able to jump in and do all the bits and pieces that'll make my job easier but for now for 600 plus episodes i've been your guy jeff ellis before i was here i was at scout and 24 7 and before that i was i'd written up articles or done interviews or been mentioned on any site you can imagine that talked about the cleveland indians so i'm going to be honest with you guys Sunday is going to be a super busy day. I'm recording this on Saturday evening. So if something big breaks and you're like, oh, or even if something minor occurs, you're like, I'm surprised Jeff didn't mention it. That would be why. Uh, currently, Eddie Rosario is continuing to put on a postseason show. He was absolutely dreadful for the Indians. And now he's going to get a bigger contract than the Indians gave him. He is going to make more money this offseason because what he's done in the second half, uh, even though he gave the Indians nothing, he gave them absolutely nothing, Rosario is going to be on his way to a payday. We're going to finish off our sleepers today. I still have that tab. Oh, my computer hopefully didn't shut down and lose it. No, but it's still open. I got three more names I wanted to talk about from diving into the stats. Uh, we're going to do some old friend alerts. We'll start off with those as we typically do. And then some more names of players who are released, let go, that could be interesting uh, or to at least talk about quickly. So let's start with an old friend alert. Sam Haggerty, let go by Seattle. He had previously been someone with the Indian trade. I believe that was in the Plawecki deal that he went from the Indians to the Mets. I mean, this is a guy who was a 24th round draft pick at the University of New Mexico. So good on him that he has played in the big leagues in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Uh, very lately in 2019 at the Mets. So last year he played in 13 games, 54 play appearances, and had a 100, you know, league average OPS. Wasn't as great this year. He's a second baseman pretty much only. Uh, I don't know where he's going to stick on or what's going to happen with him. That is, uh, again, as a 24th round pick that he has gotten that much service time, good on him. That is a fantastic day three pick, even though he didn't make it with the Indians. I mean, they also turned a 24th round pick into a trade value. That's, you know, that's a great uh, 2015 draft pick by the Cleveland Indians. I'm almost half afraid to look at the 2015 draft. Like, it's one of those things where I was thinking about this where I'm like, I wonder how good of a pick he, like, is he the best pick the Indians had that year? Is he the third best pick? Uh, I mean, okay, so Tristan McKenzie is the best pick. Uh, the second best pick, one would argue, if he had signed, would have been Nick Madrigal, but he didn't. So the other players to reach the big leagues at this point in time are Justin Garza, Mark Matthias, Sam Haggerty, and Kai A. Tom. The problem is Matthias, Haggerty, and Tom never reached the big leagues with the Indians. So you got McKenzie and Garza, Garza the only ones. Brady Aiken, of course, was the top pick. Uh, they had the triumvirate with uh, Aiken, Hillman, and McKenzie. Unfortunately, McKenzie's the only one who really looks like he's going to be a consistent big leaguer. I really liked a lot of, like, I liked Tyler Krieger. Didn't work out for him. Jonas Wyatt was already hurt when they drafted him. Mason Lukes, they traded for Brandon Geyer, so they got value. A uh, pair of uh, senior signs. They did not sign their 
11th rounder, which is unusual for them. Ryan Perez was a switch pitcher, which I remember was an interesting story at the time. Uh, I, I wrote a draft profile on him, and I have to laugh, because it was my 2015, this must have been my first year at Scout, because I distinctly remember feeling bad when I wrote up the Ryan Perez uh, piece, because he was interesting. You know, we had had, uh, was it Pat Venditti? Vendetti was the switch pitcher in the big leagues. We really hadn't seen anyone do it consistently. Uh, and when you looked at Perez at Judson, who was this D3 program, I was like, this guy's a left-handed pitcher. He can't get righties out at a D3 level. And it was kind of a negative article where essentially it's like, ah, he is a minimal lefty. I don't know if there's enough there for anything beyond that. Did not last very long in the Indian system. They agreed with me. Daniel Salters was uh, had gone on a mission and was already an older guy, but a really nice kid, very strong defender for uh the Indians up and down, ended up retiring on his own and deciding he'd had enough of minor league life. I mean, he was essentially a backup. But the Indians, I mean, they put him, he moved quickly through the minors. They believed in him enough to do that. Uh, in terms of Perez, dra- doesn't pitch at all due to injury in 2017 and was essentially, he went down to the Mexican League and pitched in 2018. Uh, so he was let go after 2016, never having gotten past Mahoning Valley. Uh Matt Esparza was one of those guys who had like a new pitching coach every single year. And then, uh, you know, he had a really good high A and he was like starting to get close to being a top 10 prospect. Daniel Sprinkle said he signed and then he didn't. I always felt like they were juggling money and he he ended up uh, paying the cost that Luke Wakamatsu got almost 300000 Like they had to balance that money out. And essentially getting Wakamatsu probably cost them Sprinkle and Madrigal. Like they were, if they don't get Wakamatsu, they get Madrigal. That that's the humor of this draft. Garrett Benj would go on to be like a second round pick. I liked his numbers. I want to say to Oklahoma. AJ Graffinino was another one of those guys who got away as well. Uh, Chandler Day was a guy they drafted knowing they couldn't sign him. Dilling Persinger, they would draft a few years later and get. This is one you just go into round three, and it's a bunch of uh, or round three. Whew, you get into the thirties, I should say, and it's all the college names of note that they knew they couldn't really sign, but they were just drafting guys. Yeah, uh, Sam Haggerty, I mean, one could make a strong case that he is the third best pick in this class. And in terms of guys who signed, I mean, one can make a case he is the Indian second best draft pick. Uh, I just had to go look up Kobe Vance as he was a guy, he didn't sign with the Indians. I don't know if they didn't offer him full slot, but then he only had, I remember it distinctly because then he went to Alabama. It's a good program. But he didn't have a full scholarship because I was reading articles about his partial scholarship to Alabama. I'm like, the Indians just offered this guy 100000 You know, maybe he signs. Now he was, you know, I liked some of the numbers, but it was, you know, below, you know, 716 OPS was as high as it got. Uh, but Oakland drafted him. He's still bouncing around their minors. And then, okay, that was, the I guess, the only other guy I really wanted to look at from that class. But, yeah, getting a little off talking about that class. But, uh yeah, Sam Haggerty, second best draft pick right now from that class in terms of players who signed. Let's be specific. And then another old friend alert, James Hoyt. Now, James Hoyt, you may or may not remember him. Mean, he was in Cleveland in 2019. It was around that time that James Hoyt, uh, Phil Maton, and um, Hunter Woods were all added. All were let go by teams. All had really good spin rate data. All had kind of straight fastballs and uh, degrees of control issue. But they were all very similar. Now, you take these gambles, and it's... I remember back in the day, they talked about, you know, the roster churn for an NFL roster. Well, this is what the Indians were doing. They were doing a roster churn. Hoyt didn't work out. Uh, Other teams, 
I mean, Miami took a try on him, and he was actually pretty good for Miami in, in limited, a very limited role. I mean, this is a guy who's never pitched more than 49 uh, innings for a team in a season, and that was one time. His next highest was 22, and then that 14. Uh, very good spin data, but the overall performance issues with home runs and walks and everything else. Uh, didn't miss a lot of, or I'm sorry, he did miss bats, but uh, control and home runs were issues. But you take that risk on all three of those guys because you think, hey, maybe one of them will figure something out or we can work with them. They have the spin rate. There's some stuff there. And yeah, none of them are in Cleveland now, but at the same time, they did enough and showed enough with Maton to flip him for Miles Straw, who looks like their center fielder for the next five years for a team that has struggled. And that is a nice way to put it. I mean, their uh, outfield development has been a dumpster fire would be the not nice way to put it, but they have struggled with their development of their outfielders. And they took three risks on three, I mean, very minor risks, but you still have to clear the roster spot. You have to expose another player that you're going to put through the waiver system more often than not, or you choose to hold on to them over a player that you might want to protect to avoid them getting taken in the Rule 5 draft. And they gambled on three arms, two of them. They ended up letting go, did not stick with the organization. And the third, they were able to get trade value from. So I wanted to mention James Hoyt. He is 34 years old, maybe 35 now. I He is 35. I don't know what chance he really has of uh, striking on with another team. But if it's done for him as a 35-year-old, he got six years in the big leagues, 107 games. Uh, you know, it's better than many. He's actually got a 3.81 FIP. So, like, the, statistically, it's like the last two years have been decent. I just I wonder if it's health um, and control issues are there as well. And it's also very limited innings, in fairness. But, yeah, over his whole career, 102.2 innings, he's got a 3.81 FIP. Now, the home run rate is 1.3. Uh, but it's a FIP, not XFIP. So his XFIP is probably even better because it would normalize that. 11.8 strikeouts per nine, 3.6 walks per nine. He's had high moments. He's had low moments, just not consistent enough. But Hoyt, old friend alert uh, as well. Let's take our first commercial break. We will come back, discuss some more uh, roster moves, interesting names, and the like. And that sponsors DirecTV. You know all about this new DirecTV deal. You've seen the commercials. Let's get your TV together. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device to let you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching your sports highlights on your phone. you got neighbors, best friends to log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It's more, no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part... There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. So in terms of other players, I wanted to quickly go through and mention one, uh, Thomas Eshelman let go by Baltimore. I'm still intrigued by Eshelman. Like Eshelman was Bieber before Bieber. Like this is a player, if we went back to his college days at Fullerton, I put him as a borderline first-round pick. I thought he was a great second-round pick by the Astros, and the Astros are good at development, so that is one of the things. But he ended up going to Philly, not great at pitcher development, actually really bad at pitcher development. Then Baltimore, mediocre. Uh, Some of those young arms, DJ Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, maybe they'll get there, but a lot of those college guys and and such, it's it's not like they've had a ton uh, popping up or going right with them. 
I was hoping to pull up Eshelman's college stats, but Baseball Cube does not seem to want to uh, load for me right now. That is rather disappointing. Oh, but hey, maybe Baseball References update will have it. Yeah, so this is a guy, because I just want to talk about this. In his uh, years of college, he had 115, 123, 137 innings. So you're looking at what? Uh, quick math, 380-ish innings. And in 380-ish innings, he walked 18 batters. So just phenomenal control. Even in the minors, he's mostly kept that up. A two points in the majors, two point seven walk per nine to four point five strikeout per nine. Now, a home run per nine has been two point three, one point one home run per nine in the minors, one point nine walk per nine, seven point one strikeout per nine. I don't know if the Indians would consider him. I mean, there's been opportunities. He's gone through waivers in the past, um, but he is an Indians type of pitcher. At his core, Eshelman is interesting. Uh, yeah, he was granted free agency last December after he was traded by the Phillies to the Orioles for international slot money in 2019. In December, he was granted free agency. He was you know, part of that trade for um, Ken Giles with Vince Velasquez, Mark Appel, Harold Aruz, and Brent, Brett Oberholzer. Uh, those trades, I mean, it worked out for Philly in the end. Giles was not great for the Astros. But Eshelman's, like I said, he's just interesting as a guy who does fit the Indians' approach. He does have the control. He has a fly. He's a fly ball pitcher, which again they prefer. If you like a ball in the air, has more potential good outcomes than bad. That's why the Indians do not care about home run rate, unless it's in the extreme. They have a lot of guys who have high home run rates because they'd rather the ball is in the air. You're going to have more positive outcomes from a ball in the air than one that's on the ground. Sure, the ball in the air has a greater risk. Uh, of incurring runs, but the outcomes from that ball in the air are much less likely to turn into runs. So it's more of, uh, you know, higher risk, but more often than not, it plays in your favor. So just keep an eye. Like, again, I know they are under a 40-man crunch. I've talked about it time and time and time again, but he does fit their approach. Uh, He could be a good depth arm for them. I don't know if he would agree to go to AAA. Uh, But then again, I mean, if you're a pitcher like him, you might think Cleveland is the perfect place for me to go. This is exactly, they might find another gear. They might get me across. This is the best place for me to develop. I know he's not a young man and we typically think like development is done after a certain age. Uh, I mean, he's in his like mid twenties. It's not like he's old or anything, but at the same time, I go back and my argument is just, it's, it's not like physical development. If you work with his mechanics or you know ways to help increase velocity in players, or you can work on a tweak in, again, mechanical structure. That's where you can get an extra gear, no matter the age. Uh, Marcus Wilson, another interesting guy let go by Seattle. I really liked him back in 2014. Toolsy outfield type, went to, uh, was taken by Arizona. Uh, he had some rumored connection to the Indians that year, I remember. And there's been points and times where he has played well in the minors. I think specifically after 2019. God, and he's Arizona to Boston. And then Boston to Seattle, uh, 2021. So he was, yeah, I mean, this past year he traded from Boston to Seattle. Uh, the numbers with Boston were actually pretty solid in AAA. I don't know if Cleveland's, I mean, seven years in the minors, I don't know if he's going to get a, uh, a grand chance uh, with anyone. If you're a bad team, why not? Like he double-digit home runs this year, he struck out a lot. That, that's there, but he walks a decent amount. There's there's some chances for ceiling with him. I don't know if he's necessarily a great fit for the Indians, but he could potentially play, you know, two, three outfield spots and 
physical tools were always readily available. Anyone to uh, J. Sarah, like uh, that's the high school to go to. I feel like I see that name pop up more than any other one. Uh, and then Seattle had one more guy. Ryan Weber is interesting. I mean, he is just finished his seventh year in the big leagues, uh, pitched with Boston, Milwaukee, and Seattle this year. His FIPs have never been particularly great, but he's another Indians type. And I say that because over seven years in the majors, 167 innings, 2.1 walk per nine, 1.5 home run per nine. Though The hit per nine being at 10 means he is very hittable, which does not go well with that home run per nine. He doesn't miss a lot of bats, but still, he's just another name to t- discuss. I thought I'd at least mention it because he's an Indians type of guy. And then the other interesting name that stood out to me was Franklin Barreto. Uh, he was let go by the Angels, who also let go James Hoyt. Uh, you might remember him as the centerpiece in the uh, the Donaldson deal. Like, the Indians were supposedly hot on Donaldson. We'll never know the truth in the matter if that was the case or not, and we'll never know what the deal was. I mean, who knows? The Indians make that Donaldson deal. Maybe they have to give up Jose Ramirez in it, in which case that would have been an awful, terrible deal, right? Like, they might have lucked out by not being involved in the Donaldson deal. Uh, they wanted a shortstop. Barreto was that kind of athletic shortstop that went to Oakland. And that deal went really bad for Oakland. It, there's just no other way around it. So, yeah, he he got traded from Oakland to Anaheim for, like, why he was let go by the Angels last year in the Tommy LaStella trade. Uh, it was just another infielder. Anaheim wanted an infielder back. And they decided to cut ties with him. Uh, I, I don't know what you – know, he's going to have to accept a minor league contract if he wants to continue playing and not go international at this point in time. He just hasn't shown enough. And then let's let's check time. I got to be closer on the mic. I apologize. Let's talk about the other hot rumor of late, which is Seiya Suzuki. So he is one of the best players for Hiroshima over in the JPL. And there's talk that he'll be posted. Now, recent uh, players, just in general from Japan, it has not gone well. Though uh, Kosuke... Blanking on Seattle's left-handed pitcher broke through this year. It took him a few years, but he became you know to the point where there's talk that he might get the qualifying offer. A lot of other players, you know, Tutsuo Tugo, who went to Tampa, I think it was the Pirates. Now, like I, I would always advocate to never get that type of guy. Like I would never ever sign a guy who's got. It's the same reason I wrote about you know back in the day when everyone went crazy about Pyongyang Park. Who went to the Twins? It's like when those guys have bad strikeout rates already. That's not what you want. Uh, Suzuki doesn't like. He's a guy who often walks more than he strikes out, and walks a lot. Like sixteen percent walk rate, sixteen percent strikeout rate. Uh, cannon for an arm could probably handle center. Not the biggest guy, I believe. Also a switch hitter. No right-handed bat. I'm sorry, but you know has five tool talk. Uh, hit. They're over 30 home runs, 38 this past year. Uh, one of the be- five best hitters in Japan by all accounts. Just 26 years of age, entering his prime. Remember with the current posting system, everyone can post the same amount. Like It's not the old days where someone can just buy him outright. I don't know. The Indians have never really been in on that market. Uh, you know, Masa Kobayashi was really the only player I can think of where they were signing that like veteran Japanese player uh, obviously that didn't work out but if there's a time to go in here's the guy they need an outfielder you know he is one of the top ones out there if they have money to spend 
Because the other thing too, you have to point out with this is yes, it costs money. You have to essentially pay like 15 million to the Japanese team. But then that always makes the player sign a cheaper contract. The contracts they typically sign become very team friendly when they come over from Japan to the United States. So yes, you sign that contract. I mean, think about what Otani's getting uh, compared to what he should get as a player who's essentially the age of a free agent when he came over. You get a guy on a very team-friendly contract. You do have to pay a lot up front, but if you are a team like the Indians and you're flush with a little bit more money, you're going to have the, you know all that new merch. You're going to have, hopefully, knock on faux wood here, that new minority owner. This is the guy to go for. You know, this is where you want to take your risk because you'll get him to a good contract. You'll get him for multiple years of control. He's only going to be... He is 27. He'll turn 28 next August. But if you sign him to a five, six-year deal, you have him through all of it. Now, if it goes sideways, it goes sideways. And for the Indians, then you're in trouble. Uh, but if there's outs in there, you can find things. But this is the player you gamble on. The strikeout rates are not high. That is the first thing you look for. You look for power production. You look for walks. Because uh, having a good eye at the plate 100% translates. That is one of those things that is a one-to-one. So if they are really considering posting, say, a Suzuki... I'm going to say the Indians should go. Yes, I said they should sign Shogo Akiyama. Go ahead, rip me for that. I ended up being wrong, okay? It happens. But this is an entirely different hitter. This is not someone in their 30s coming across. This is someone who is 27 years of age, who has power production, who has um, you know a strong arm, who has all the tools, who walks a lot. Shogo uh, walked a lot as well, uh, but what he also did was strike out at a decent rate. There are some similarities in terms of the walk-to-strikeout ratio, and then since he got to Cincinnati, uh, he's kind of kept those ratios similar, so that has translated. The problem for him is he just contact rates have not been as good, and he's got no, almost no power in that translation. And again, Shogo was a center fielder. That was not necessarily his game. So I think, I don't know, let me think. What do you think? Say uh, Suzuki, yay, nay, am I crazy? Do you think that if the Indians do have money to spend, he should be the number one? free agent target or would you rather go for because you know they're not going to go for Conforto uh you know I, I don't think they can afford Starling Marte but I think at the end of the day you can get something similar to Starling Marte with more upfront money but you know better overall as the deal moves on uh monetary investment in say a Suzuki for me I'm always more willing to run the risk on a guy who's 26 27 than someone who is in their 30s. Again, let me know. What are your thoughts? Agree, disagree? Uh, check out his numbers. Check out the videos. You can see the obvious tools. That's the other thing. Like physically, he's just a much better athlete, much the shape and condition he's in. And again, Shogo Akiyama was like 33 when he came over. So yes, he's been bad with Cincinnati, but he was a speed guy coming over to the Major League Baseball, taking that jump when he was already well past his prime. This is a guy in his prime. So what are your thoughts here? Let me know. Hit me up at Jeff MLB Draft. I've been favoriting all those questions. Um, I will get to them this week on the show for sure. But give me your feedback. Uh, you know, I was sitting there. You know, I, I saw Aaron talking about how I, I uh, mentioned Tommy Doyle. I love getting the feedback. I love hearing from fans. I've been, uh, like I said, favoring everything. We'll get back to it throughout this week. So hit me up with your thoughts. Yay, nay. Uh, you can hit me with uh, yes, Seiya, or no, Suzuki. I don't know why I decided to make it more difficult, but I did. So go ahead and hashtag that and hit me up with it. Uh, we're going to take our second break and come back and talk about those last three sleepers that I wanted to discuss. 
okay, you know I love Built Bar. Like, do I really need to extol the virtues? I know I promised I was going to try my blueberry muffin. I have not yet. I've been kind of waiting and saving. I know they have a deal right now. All the boosts are on sale for $4.95. Uh, they also have a deal right now on all of their broths being on sale. I got a, a text about that. Yeah, I get texts from them. Uh, not because I'm cool. You know, it's not like, yeah, I'm getting texts because I'm so cool. It's more that I just love their product. And it's the one product I've agreed to sign up for and get texts about. Uh, in terms of special flavors, they still have the cherry lime, the blueberry muffin, the rocky road, the coconut marshmallow puff, and the strawberry puff. I like puffs. Puffs are actually less sugar. I want No, they're less calories. Same protein, same sugar. Oh, but the strawberry actually has one gram less sugar. Getting the same protein but less calories often with a puff. But at the same time, you get Rocky Road with chunks of, like, nuts and everything else good in Rocky Road. And it's 150 calories to the bar. Go check it out for yourself. That is BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That is LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. It's a promo code I use. It's just a great product. Okay, let's discuss our sleepers. It is the time to finally get through this list. Again, this was me looking over at Fangraphs, where they have uh, a lot of great information. And, oh, first of all, I want to remind you again, thank you for making Lockdown Indians your first listen every day. Uh, it helps the show grow. I, I saw Avery hit me up with some info. I'll have to get back. L- L- Avery, do me a favor. You're talking about my July podcasts. I, I appreciate you listening to all of them. Let me know when you get to this point. I'm calling you out right here. Uh, I want to see when it is you get to this bit. So hit me up on Twitter when you hear me talking to you. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Now that I've got that out of the way, let's talk about these sleepers uh, that I've been slowly getting through. I have so many to discuss. If you've missed part of this, I went over on fan graphs, and then there's certain stats that stand out and translate. And we're looking just at players in double or triple A. And yeah, there's guys like Riley Green on that list, but I'm not counting him. I'm not really looking at uh, Riley Green because he's a top-end prospect. So some of those guys are, are Jose Barrero, who used to be Jose Garcia. With the Reds is another guy where it's like, that is a high-end prospect. Yeah, he's performing really well. But at the same time, I think it's important that uh, we look at guys who like they can legitimately require a cheaper price. And speaking of the Reds, let's talk about Alejo Lopez. Uh, he really started well. Rule 5 eligible. He's an infielder. We know they love that. Uh, he's performed super well. And, you know, let's see, let's see. I thought, yeah, he's a switch hitter, 25 years of age, a 27th round draft pick uh, back in 2015. He's 25 years of age, did get to uh, the majors with Cincy this year. So he's on, you know, obviously not Rule 5 eligible because they rostered him. He played in 14 games, 23 plate appearances, and those didn't go well, but that is the smallest of sample sizes. Before that, what did he do in double and AAA? Well, he walked more than he struck out. His walk rate was 10% to 9% and 11% to 7%. His bat pip was one level over 400, 300 at the other level. He's always had high bat pips because of good speed, but again, that's quality contact. And then his runs created plus 153 and 126, moving across both those levels. Never had played in the upper minors until this season. Uh, hit over 300 at each level. His OPSs were over, or OPSs on base were over 380. His slugging was over 440 at each stop. The Indians have so many infielders. He's probably not the ideal fit for them, the, the guy you call and ask to acquire. But I mean, in his time in the majors alone, he played second, third, left, and center. Again, if I am running a lesser team, I'm calling the Reds. I'm saying, like, hey, what's the cost? Because this is exactly the type of buy-low candidate 
and just the value of having a guy that can play four spots. That might also be why the Reds would have no interest in moving him, but he's someone that stood out for me statistically. Let's talk about Miguel Vargas next. So this is a hitter who the Dodgers signed um, quite a few years ago. He's a big guy at 6'3", 205, and another one of those players who had never played in the upper minors until this year. And he had a 141 runs created plus. He hit 16 home runs. He only struck out 15% of the time. Walk rate was almost 10. Average 321, on base 386, slugging 523. So doing a little bit of all, of everything while playing uh, that third base position. Uh, he was a player who, when you look at his prospect reports, you know, potential 60 hit with like 50 power. The hit was always more in the power, but this year the power started to come. And he has that naturally big size where you think that power should be there. And it's more interesting when you dive into the data or the old stories on fan graphs. This is where he really jumped. Like a scout for the Dodgers was talking about like the players that stood out. Wander Franco, number one. <laughs> this is back also in 2019. So this, I just want to point that out. Or is this even older than that? This one is from, yeah, this is from 2019. Uh, and in that article piece over here, you know, Wander Franco one, Matthew Libator three, Xavier Edwards and Joey Cantillo at four. If you're curious about Cantillo, uh, he, he, the reference, this scout here, he's a clear stud and carries himself around the ballpark as well as any 19-year-old have come in contact with. By the way, his sixth, Will Benson. I don't think there was a more intimidating hitter. Uh, you know, good defender, all of that stuff. But it's interesting that, like, Vargas was second to Wander Franco in terms of the players he had seen in person that year. And then you come back around to uh, mid-tier hitters. This article, Mid-Tier Hitters I Like by Ben Clemens, where it just discusses, like, this guy has hit at every level. He has been a consistent 300 hitter. Uh, the power hasn't been there. What's going to happen? Like, this was supposed to be a make-or-break year for him. Uh, and it's a make year. Like, this is a guy who, it's, uh, who had hit seven home runs in 2019 total. And then this year, in his first 37 games in IA, he hit seven. He hits another 16 in 83 games in A. So 23 home runs. That's more than he had hit, like, his entire career uh, 2018 and 2019, it's only two years, but through those two years, he had nine home runs. That's in rookie and A ball. This year, he hit 16 in 83 games of double A while still hitting over 300. He's had almost every single season, he has hit over 300. It is a legit plus hit tool. Now he's moving into that area where it's a 60 hit, 55 power. He does not need to be added to the rule five. So trying to get him out of the Dodgers, currently their ninth-ranked prospect, could be a higher-ranked. But again, it's the Dodgers, so you never know what they're going to need, want, or try to do, especially if this postseason goes wrong. Because think about it. They're going to have multiple pieces that leave at the end of this year, potentially. Uh, they are going to need infielders. They're going to need kind of a new Chris Taylor. Like Chris Taylor is getting himself paid. I don't know if they can afford to bring him back Uh Aaron pointed out Taylor uh, is another working on his way to becoming the greatest. Uh, so at least it's going to be hard to pass. Um, uh, Ryan Zimmerman is the greatest UVA guy, but uh, Chris Taylor is trying to make a late push in that regard. But, I mean, they have so many upcoming free agents. We know the Max Scherzer of it all. We know that uh, you know his contract's going to be up. I believe Trey Turner will also – oh, no, he's got one more year left. I was wrong. But Seager's a free agent. Chris Taylor is going to be a free agent. They've been pressed into using like Matt Beatty at first base, which is not not ideal. 
Uh, Gavin Lux has really never broken through as expected. Uh, you know, Pulholz has gotten has been a regular part of this team. I mean, their bench is not not super deep. Uh, their starting pitching could use more depth. Their bullpen has some strong pieces at points, but could use some other things. They are a team that could be looking to make a trade. Miguel Vargas could help a team next year. Uh, he is an interesting player. You know, they're, they're not their number one prospect. That's Michael Bush, who I wanted the Indians. You know, who I had the Indians draft in my shadow draft. Side note, uh, going back to his draft class. But you got Pages and Diego Cartera, who are clearly like their top three guys. Uh, I think Ryan Pipot is in Bobby. Well, it's not clearly because Pipot and Miller are also in that conversation. But once you get past them, it's kind of more wide open. But Vargas is interesting. Like if you were the Indians and the Dodgers need, you know, they need someone to replace Taylor. Like, that's that could be Owen Miller. That could be an Owen Miller situation. And if they, you know, and A.J. Pollock's going to likely opt out for them as well. Uh, out of his contract, he's going to be a free agent, I believe. So if they need multiple pieces, this could be a situation where the Indians could turn a few guys uh, like, you know, Owen Miller, who where they have so many infield options, uh, you know, maybe this is a team that's used Billy McKen- McKinney and Steven Souza in the outfield. Like they might want to run the risk on a Zimmer just because of the physical tools and what they have done in terms of development with hitters. Uh, I don't know if like if Zimmer and Miller is enough to get you Vargas, but it's, it's at least an interesting discussion. And more importantly, uh, you trade two guys to get a guy who does not need to be added to the 40 man. That's why I really like Miguel Vargas. That's why he's one of the most interesting guys. He has pretty much been able to like be a 300 hitter all the time, like consistently, while still walking nearly 10% of the time and powers emerging. I am fascinated. Of all the guys I'll talk about, he is he's not to help you next year, but he is maybe the most interesting. He is the one I would love to see the Indians figure out a way to get. And again, the, the Dodgers are going to have major league needs. They're going to have open spots on their 40-man because they're going to have so many free, agent as, free agents as well. And they might try to try to position themselves to add some more talent, and then it's often easier later on in the year to pass that guy through waivers than it is right at the you know end of the season. Uh, but yeah, I, Miguel Vargas, the guy just hits, power is coming, and he doesn't need to be rostered. That is a fantastic combination if you're an Indians fan. I didn't get through them all. We got one more sleeper. We'll discuss him on tomorrow's show. I really wanted to get them done, but Miguel Vargas was too interesting. I got too in the weeds. And, you know, it happens. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked in Indians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. And thank you for making it your first listen every day. Go check out one of the fantastic Cleveland podcasts over on the Locked On Network, as well as, you know, this podcast. Uh, again, downloading daily really helps. That that That's the first thing you can do. Second thing, write a review wherever you listen. Third thing, make sure you're following me on Twitter, uh, at Jeff MLB Draft. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.